Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I saw a recent article in Christianity Today that was entitled, The CRT Debate Distracts from God's Justice, and it goes on to say in it, the conflict over racial issues, just preach the gospel, misses the gospel. So I thought, hey, this sounds like something that might be talking about what I've been talking about. And that is that the church has kind of missed the point when it comes to some of the things that are going on around us today. Oftentimes, churches just do not want to get involved with politics. They don't want to get involved with uh, different things that we see happening around us outside of the church because it's too difficult or whatever. And they often come up with these things of, we just need to preach the gospel. We just need to worry about saving souls and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and instead, you know, the church has kind of removed itself from leadership positions and, and it's caused a lot of problems uh, all around us. And so I, I believe, and I've been talking about this, how the Bible really gives us a responsibility to be involved in leadership positions, all, all whether it be in politics or, or uh, other areas, and so I thought, well, hey, here's a, here's an article by Esau Macaulay, and uh, he's by the way, he's he's a, a, a assistant professor at Wheatland College. He's also an author of Reading While Black: African American Biblical Interpretation as an Exercise in Hope. Now, I probably should have read that before I read the article it might have you know saved me some time but uh, because it, this article turned into something that um, where I went into it thinking hey this this is something that's going to talk about what I've been talking about instead it turned into really a an example of how social justice warriors um, are really harming the church and and l- let me let me show you what I'm talking about. He starts out here by saying, I remember the World War II stories I was told as a middle school student wearing secondhand clothes and sporting an unkept fade. I sat in a hard wooden desk too small for my growing black body in a classroom full of distracted boys and girls. The air conditioning in the Alabama classroom was unreliable, which meant sweat was an ever-present companion to our education. Now, the teachers told us, impressionable use, that the traumas of both world wars revealed American and British grit. And I would say, I'll stop here, I would say, I agree with that. I, I think that, that the, the, the generation that went through those world wars was changed that because of what they had to do, they that generation was changed, and it and it showed a grit amongst all the allies, not just American and British, but amongst all the allies. That generation was forever made better. Their character was made stronger through that time. Now he goes on to say here that these great nations set aside petty concerns and turned to the needs of others. I was told that the unforgiving desk that the nations uh, at that unforgiving desk, that the nations and individuals discover themselves under pressure. When the fervency of belief encounters the unforgiving realities of suffering, our deepest convictions are unveiled. When cancer invades a human body and stresses a marriage, the true depth of love and commitment becomes clear. And, And again, I'm going to stop here and say, I agree. I think the Bible is strewn with many 
scriptures that talk about how when we go through tough times, that builds character, which obviously uh, builds hope and 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 all kinds of good things. So um, oftentimes we're not to evade. That's why that's why God doesn't. Uh, when when we see the big dark storm cloud coming, he doesn't necessarily take us around that cloud or or make us so that we we don't go through it at all. He we go through that storm cloud with him at our side, and it builds that character with it with it. So again, I would agree, and and so he starts out here really good. Then it goes on to say, in more recent history, COVID nineteen has been a similar pressure and a similar revelation of the United States and its churches. Just as there are tests that reveal a person's character, there are na- national trials that make plain what a country is. I agree. And what has the COVID-19 pandemic said about the American church? Who have we revealed ourselves to be under pressure? I am talking not about the virus itself, he says, I am talking about the social crisis of the pandemic, which has brought to light the ongoing experience of racism and injustice by ethnic minorities in this country. Now, I'm starting to deviate from him here, okay? And he says, he goes on to say, the church had an opportunity to lead in this area and show the world how our faith allows us to press for better treatment for all. Instead, some decided to litigate the validity of, of critical race theory. Now, again, I'm going to stop right here. And I'm going to say that he is about to go into an area that I completely disagree with him on. I think that, that we need to have debates on whether or not things like critical race theory, again, these are theories, critical race theory is valid or not. What does the Bible say about things like critical race theory? I mean, we know that critical race theory is basically saying that if you're white, if you're a certain race, that you're bad. And if you are other, if you're other races, you're good and really not just good, but you're a victim of this really bad race. And, and again, we've, we've covered critical race theory before. Well, I'm sure we'll cover critical race theory. Uh, and, and the definition of it and all this kind of stuff again. Um, but but just in a nutshell, that's what critical race theory is. Now he goes on and he says, with black and Asian blood dying or drying, I'm sorry, black and Asian blood drying on the concrete streets of American cities, some decided to debate the ex, um, existence of systemic racism. Okay, I'm going to stop again. I know that's only one sentence and we got a long ways to go, but let me let me just stop there again and say, number one, black and Asian blood drying on the concrete streets of American cities. What he's trying to refer to here is he's trying to refer to, to um, police shooting people just because they're a, a race. That's not a thing. Okay, but police officers don't shoot black people just because they're black and they don't shoot Asian people just because they're Asian. And I can bring out all the statistics to, to, to back my side of things up. Okay, and again, we've covered some of this, but but to, to, to come here and say that that blood is drying on the concrete streets is just completely out of line. And to say that systemic racism is a thing and we can't even debate it is is completely out of line as well okay systemic racism is not a thing and again we we have covered it we will cover it again in the future but it's not a thing 
Okay, there's no such thing as systemic racism in the United States. All of our systems are not racist and promote racism. Okay, and and to say that we can't even debate that is out of line. Now he co- he continues and says they did not look uh, at the thing itself. Instead, the thing itself became the occasion to uh, for a tired dispute. So again, he's he's mocking the fact that we're even debating the fact that systemic racism and CRT and things like this even exist. The debate revealed how portions of the church were ill and in need of healing well before the airborne contagion made its way to these shores. Okay, so he's saying that the church is ill because it wants to debate whether or not these theories are real. He goes on and says, these sick parts of the body of Christ told us to just preach the gospel. There are very few things more harmful for Christian cooperation than the weaponization of the gospel against black and brown cries for justice. Now, again, I'm going to agree with him that there is something wrong when with with Christians and 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 pastors, whoever you want to be, that say, let's just preach the gospel and have nothing to do with the world. Okay, that's not biblical. I would agree with him. But to say that 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 anybody else, everybody else is, is, is weaponizing the gospel, okay, that there are people that are weaponizing the gospel against black and brown cries for justice. In other words, if you do not believe in systemic racism, you're racist. And isn't that what we hear from all of these people that are justice, social justice warriors? If you don't believe in systemic racism or you don't believe in CRT, then you're just weaponizing the gospel. You, you you're, when, when you bring out scripture and say, hey, what, what about this scripture? It doesn't match up. Oh, well, you're just weaponizing it. And that's, that's what he's saying here. Okay, let me continue. Only in the context of racial injustice are we told to articulate the plan of salvation exclusively. When marriages are struggling, we don't just preach the gospel to couples. We give them um, you know, practical tools to love one another better. When parents are looking for clues on how to raise children, we do not simply preach the gospel. We give them biblical informed tools to parent well. And again, I would agree. Yes, we do. We need to get outside of just preach the gospel and just save souls. But what, but what he's saying here is we need to, 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 to get on board with all these social justice uh, theories. And, and that's not what we need to do as, as all, he says, as all of Paul's letters make it clear, Christian discipleship is about showing how uh, the implications of the gospel spread out in, th- in a thousand different directions. And he, he, he goes on and, and, and talks here basically about how the, you know, the Bible is on his side, that, that we, we need to, uh, to, to, to fight for this, you know, weird systemic racism theory. And, and, and if we don't, then we're, we're anti-biblical. He goes on and says, after the lockdown began, I did not gather Um, I did not gather in a large group until I traveled to Chicago to participate in a protest. Okay, I'm going to stop here. He goes on to talk about going to this protest and, and, and protesting, uh, with, with people during COVID fearing that he was going to get COVID. It was at the beginning of COVID. He feared he was going to get it, but he did it anyway. 
and and I, again, I could go in so many different directions with this, but the first thing that hits me is that here's somebody who is all worried about about COVID and getting it, but he and and boy, I'm sure he's probably told everybody in in his group of friends and on Facebook or whatever that man, you need to uh, you know mask up and all double mask or triple mask or whatever, and yet. He, he he goes and he he gets together with all these people as as he puts it where you know everybody's bringing on each other way too close and they're all sweaty and did all this kind of stuff and 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 he's protesting over uh you know people like like Brianna Taylor and and George Floyd who obviously the, the the George like things like the George Floyd and Brianna Taylor had nothing to do with racism and yet he's trying to use these as examples that of of racism as, of systemic racism they had nothing to do with that show me one piece of evidence that that made that that said that George Floyd's situation was was racially motivated or Breonna Taylor even. He goes on and says, "I was hopeful that their deaths would force America to do, you know, uh, th- th- basically what this this uh, what he wants America to do and what he wants the church to do, and that is to become social justice warriors. The last five years of deaths recorded on video have been America's open casket uh, and, and a chance to see." What has been happening to black lives? No. Again, I could give you statistics. I could say what has been happening to police officers because a whole lot more police officers get killed by, by, by blacks than blacks get killed by police officers. He says here, in that context, I hoped that churches of all ethnicities would stand in solidarity with black and brown suffering, not as a manifestation of worldview, um, you know, antithet- uh, antithetical uh, to the gospel, as some claim, but because of what the law, the prophets, the writings, and the entirety of the New Testament call for, compassion towards those who are treated unjustly. Paul calls us to mourn with those who mourn in Romans twelve fifteen is what he's saying. Okay, so I hear this a lot. I hear that basically... The Bible is boiled down to one thing, that we're supposed to treat people with love. That is, yes, we're supposed to treat people with love, yes. And without love, a lot of things that we do uh, are, are, are done in vain. But that's not the only message of the Bible. That is not the, me- the whole message of the Bible. And, ha- and what does it mean to love someone? Does it mean that we're supposed to stand up against an entire race of people? To love someone? No. Are we supposed to call those people bad? No. Are we supposed to call those people racist? No. That's not loving them. And that's not loving everyone. That's that that is construing the the Bible to, to try to get your way and prove your point. And that's never right, and it never goes well. He continues and he says, but to mourn or weep. We must see. Instead, we we turned our eyes both as a church and as a country. We did not have a national debate on better ways to police our citizens, nor did we consider how to address the raging mental health crisis that often makes these violent interactions between police and African Americans so tragic. I, I don't know what he's talking about here. Of course we have been having that debate. I mean, we have been having the the debate on on police police tactics and and budgets, and uh, I mean, there hasn't been anything about the police that hasn't been under scrutiny 
I mean, of course we've had that debate. And, and to say that we haven't is just basically closing your eyes to reality. He says, some thought it would be easier to label any discussion of racism as critical race theory or wokeism. Well, yeah, because it was. It was. <laughs> so much of this debate is about critical race theory. It is about being woke and who can be the wokest. And in so doing, he says, make that theory a threat to the republic. Yeah, critical race theory is a threat. Of course it is. When you classify an entire race of people as the bad guys, that's, that's doing harm to the country. And he says, in other words, some found it easier to create a new red scare instead of tackling the ever-present problem of the color line. He goes on and says, for example, we, we watched as the assault on Asian-run massage parlors in Atlanta and the endless stream of videos um, predicting unprovoked attacks on Asians and Asian-Americans. And he goes into this whole thing on, 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 uh, on Asian-American and Asian, Asian hate in America. I mean, come on. There, 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 there is no Asian hate in America. I mean, you, of course there's going to be people, certain people that are going to be racist. There's always going to be people that are racist of all different races. You can be Asian and you can be a racist. You can be black and you can be racist. You can be white and you can be racist. There are racist people and there always will be. But to say that our country hates Asians and that this, that, that, that this, this guy who went on a, on a shooting rampage in Atlanta is, is evidence of this is just absolutely off the wall. He says, no, we turned to the safety of the Asian community to, uh, into a debate about politically correct speech. <laughs> no, no, no. It was not the right that turned that into politically correct speech. It was people like this that did that. He's the one, even in this article, that is turning this into a debate about politically correct speech. Again, it's it's that whole thing uh, of projecting onto others what you're doing yourself. And that is a very, very popular tactic of the left. He says, in the end, the pandemic test has made plain this truth. The church is not socially or politically ready for all of our modern in, interconnected world demands uh, that the world demands of us. We need to go back to school and finally learn the lessons we have refused to learn. Our mutual hatred and distrust only makes us weaker. So again, he's call, he's he's calling names here, and he's and he's saying that if you don't get on board with this so, with this social justice warrior type stuff, if you don't get on board with the wokeness, if you don't get on board with CRT, if you don't get on board with systemic racism, then you are you you hate people, you distrust people, you 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 just make us weaker. He's calling names. I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna skip down here for the sake of time, and and uh, and continue on here by saying that he says then then and now the history of our country has been an ongoing attempt to take the rubble of our repeated failures and build out of them a better place for all to lay their heads. The aftermath of the pandemic reminds how that work is more urgent than ever. Again, yeah, I, I would agree that, that the pandemic has shown 
some real stress fractures within our country, um, but not that we have to get on board with wokeness. Uh, despite our past and present failures, he says, the church can still play a role in healing our nation toward this future, not as partisans attacking as uh, apologists for the right or for the left, but as, again, I, I got I to stop here. Again, what he's saying is he's not right and he's not left. He's right. He's just worried about people. He, he, he just wants to love people. And if we don't get on board with the left, then we are hating people and we mistrust everybody. And we're making this country weaker. You see, you see how, how this is labeled and you see what he's trying to do here in this? And again, it's not just him, okay? It's not just Esau. He, he, this, this is a very common tactic of the left. And this is, this is what they're talking about. He says, we also believe in a God who says there is something on the other side of confession. And so he goes in this whole section here of how we have to confess that we are obviously racist, that we've made this, this uh, country uh, uh, weaker and how, how we need to, you know, stop dehumanizing and destroying uh, people for, you know, wanting to uh, fight for CRT and all this. He says, but we know that God won uh, us precisely through his vulnerability. So we just need to be vulnerable now and, and, and confess what we've done. It's absolutely just un- so unfortunate. Um, this kind of thing really gets me riled up in many ways, if, if you haven't been able to tell. Um, because I, th- what happens is you have people like this, and this guy is an associate professor, okay? He's somebody who has vulnerable minds <laughs> that, he's, that he's teaching to, that are looking to him for, uh, for truth. And unfortunately, what he's given them is not truth at all. What he's giving them is he's saying that, that he is... is um, this woke guy who just we, we we need to we need to understand that that this whole country is built on racism, and we need to fight for that. And if we don't fight for that, then we're not even Christians. He says here. He says, "I am a father. I wish that that meant that I always parented well. That every word spoken to my children was good, beautiful, and true. But I am human." I fail them. And the hardest thing for me to do is look my kids in the eye and say, dad was wrong. But I have to do so that they have permission to be wrong, permission to repent, and permission to start again. They know that their family is not made up of saints, the parents, correcting sinners, the children. Instead, their mom and dad have been given something to steward while all of us journey together in life with God. Okay, so here again is where they so oftentimes like to give you a nugget of truth, and then they twist it. And of course, we're supposed to tell our kids as parents when when we're wrong, when we failed. Of course, we're supposed to do that. And of course, that that helps them. But that, but but what he's saying is that we need to repent that we've been racist 
we need to repent of all these things and we need to then move toward correcting those wrongs. Okay. This is taking a nugget of truth and then twisting it into something that he wants us to do. He says, in this racially fraught day of and age, the church faces the same challenge. We can be honest about our fears and failures as a church. We can model a different way and possibly chart a different path because the tests are not going to get any easier. In that con- complex context, it's fine for us to debate the strength and weaknesses of theories like CRT. Now, I want you to hear this last little part. Because what he's going to do here is he's going to say, as I just read, that it's that it's fine for us to debate the strengths and the weaknesses of theories like CRT. And then he's going to say that we that CRT is, of course, real, and we really shouldn't debate it. Okay, so let me show you what they do. I'm going to read this again. In that complex context, it's fine for us to debate the strengths and weaknesses of theories like CRT. No theory is above reproach, but that debate cannot be used to wish away the more pressing question of justice for the oppressed. Now, did you hear what he just did there? Okay, so what he's saying is, yeah, we should, you know, it's fine to debate it, but if you're going to debate it, you, you, you can't really debate whether or not it's true. So we can debate it, but we can't debate whether or not it's true. We have to take as a standard the fact that there are these people that are oppressed and they don't have justice. And so now we need to talk more about that and not about whether or not CRT is actually real. He says, I am worried that some are losing the plain teachings of the scripture in an effort to slay the monster created in their own imaginations. It does not have to be this way, he says. So again, what he's saying is if you oppose CRT, if you oppose the systemic racism, then you are just creating a monster that, that, that out of your own imagination and not looking at the real issue of injustice for those that are oppressed. He ends this by saying one day historians will tell the true story of the church in this era of pandemic and racial strife. My prayer, he says, is that they find in the rubble of these years of suffering a people who bore testimony to the king who never lost sight of those most in need. And I would say, yes, I think we are going to look back on this time frame. And I, and I too, hope the historians see a church that stood up for the right things and didn't fall for some some weird theories about racism and and stayed true to the bible instead of some social justice warrior we need to have a whole lot less of these social justice warriors spewing this kind of nonsense and a whole lot more about what the bible has to say and how we are to interact with the world we're in you may agree and you may disagree, and I would definitely love to hear from you. You can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.